Anyway, Mark 5, that's where we're going to be this morning. Mark chapter 5. We're going to be in Mark 5 and Mark 1, so don't worry about it. It's just a few pages over. You're going to be good to go. Here's where this came from. Sometimes the story of where messages come from is kind of funny. This one's kind of funny. I was actually sitting right back where Sabrina was uh, or is on, uh, on Tuesday morning. And here on Tuesday mornings, we have uh, chapel. So we, you guys know we have a uh, Fredonia Hill Baptist Academy is right next door. And uh, we, so we have uh, school kids in here uh, during the week. And on Tuesday mornings, they have chapel. Well, our pastoral staff gets to do chapel. And Matt was up here doing chapel. And he was assigned to this story. Uh, out of Mark chapter 5, and he was, he was teaching it, and uh, you, we're going to get into it in just a little bit, but there's, there's a, a huge piece of the story is about healing. It's a woman with the issue of blood, and uh, she gets healed by Jesus, and Matt's teaching through this, and here's the deal with chapel. You have this one group that's older, so you get like up to seventh grade, I think is what it is, so you have this older group, and then it's the kindergarten, so they leave, you have like 10 minutes, but then they leave, and then in comes the pre-K through first grade, that's what I'm saying. Every time I do chapel, oh Lord, you know, here comes the here comes the little one. I'm used to talking to you, where we can communicate. You know, the, the pre-K is like if you don't make your point in like five seconds, you've lost them to something in the room, and they're you know whatever. So Matt's teaching this message, and he's talking about healing, and uh, I don't know why, I don't know how he got there, but he asked them if anybody ha- somehow he got to this question. Uh, he was talking to him about pets. Does anybody have a dog? And oh, oh, I mean, it was like, that was the question you should not have asked in that room because every hand shot up and then every kid started talking about their dog. Uh, and, and then he said, Is it, and then he was talking about healing. And so this, they kind of quieted down. This one little girl kind of waited till it quieted down and then shoots her hand up and she goes, and my dog's sick. So Matt's on the spot now, man. You got to deal with a sick dog. What are you going to do? And we just talked about this woman that receives healing. So Matt goes, what's the name of the dog? Chester. And we're like, oh, we're pretty sure this girl doesn't even have that dog. And she's not really, you know, whatever. We don't know what, what story. Anyway, so Matt ends up at the end of it. The whole thing was intercession for Chester. So I'm pretty sure Chester got healed this week. <laughs> if he exists, Chester is doing well. And all of you were concerned about that. But anyway, he was teaching this story. And the Lord just really, really attached my heart to it, really stirred my heart and and brought a word for you from this story. So anyway, Mark chapter 5, and you can just all be assured that uh, Chester has been prayed for. I know you were worried about Chester, and I'm not going to ask if anybody has a sick dog in here this morning. All right, Mark chapter 5. So here we go. So uh, the context here is that, you know, we'll read it here in just a minute, but in Mark chapter 1, Jesus... uh, announces his ministry. So he announces like the good news of the kingdom is here and, uh, and his ministry really, really takes off and begins and just explodes. So it explodes in teaching, it explodes in power and ministry and healing. Um, and so there becomes, you know, around him, obviously you've got a guy, um, you've got a, a Jewish rabbi who's teaching the Torah with great, great power and authority. And there's times in the scriptures where it even says people notice that and they go, man, he's not teaching like one of our scribes. He teaches with power and authority. And, and aside from that, what you also have now is you, is you have people being healed. And diseases are fleeing. Blindness is fleeing. I mean, people are, are getting healed. And so you can imagine 
with this combination of things and this declaration, this guy's the Messiah, man, the attention starts to really, really grow. People are pressing in to hear him. People are pressing in to know him. Some are pressing in uh, to uh, just that, that maybe he might, he might touch them and, and heal them. There's a lot of, uh, let's just say clutter. There's a lot of, lot of people around Jesus. And, this, and it describes it well here in Mark chapter 5. Let's go to verse 21. It says, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, look at this, a great cat crowd gathered how? Yeah, so many versions may say about, around him. It's, what, what does that mean to us? Like, as you picture that in your mind, there's, there's just people everywhere. So he doesn't get in a car uh, and, and, you know, drive to his next spot and have security, like, kick the door open and walk him into the next venue, right? It's not like that. He's walking uh, around, and as he walks around, people are just coming out in, in droves to, uh, to see him. There's even times the scripture says he has to, like, get in a boat and push himself away so that he can get far enough back from the crowds in order to, to teach them. So it's the, the crowds are gathered about him. And then listen to what it says. Um, then came, wait a minute, yeah, there we go. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And look here. And a great crowd followed him and was thronged about him. Okay, why? I mean, think about it. So there's all this rumor about him. And then somebody comes and says, hey, my daughter is sick come and Jesus goes. What do you think people are doing? I want to see what happens, right? I want to see what happens. I mean, this guy's just said that his daughter's sick and on the edge of death, and you know, they, they've just asked Jesus. He has this reputation. I want to see with my eyes if this is legit, if this guy is really doing what uh, I've heard about him or what people have said about him. Look at verse 25. So now the story is crazy. So we've got this, this picture of Jesus going with Jairus. And then we've got this, this scene change where now, or not scene change, but a focal point change in the story. It says, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. It's an interesting shift in the story. Verse 26. And who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So now what are we doing? You know, what is, what's Mark trying to get our attention to? He's trying to say, there's all all this chaos, there's all this stuff happening around Jesus, and then he says, and there was this woman, and now he gives this focus on this woman and her and this issue that she's had for years. It's this distraught woman, and he gives us he gives focus on her. Look at verse 27, we learn a little bit more about her. It says, She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. So what Mark is doing is he's, he's putting the crowd and this woman in, the, in a comparison. Right? He's showing us the actions of the crowd, getting around Jesus, wanting to go see what is coming next. And then he says, and then there was this woman, and she pressed in and touched the hem of his garment. There's, a, there's so much there in what that, even, what that even means and what that was. That, was his, that would have probably been his prayer, uh, what, what would have been called the English for his, his prayer 
shawl. And at the end of his prayer shawl, there would have been these, uh, these threads that hang off the prayer shawl with these knots in them, each knot representative of the law of God. And the rabbi would walk with this prayer shawl and in his fingers, he would, he would hold the, uh, the knots that are in this prayer shawl, reminding himself, meditating on the law of God. And so it says that when she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, that's what it's talking about. This shawl would, was huge. Uh, the discipleship school class last year gave me one of these and it's beautiful and it's this huge garment there's flow off of him so it would flow back and 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 these knots at the edge and so the, the picture is that she reaches out and touches this hem of his garment these these wings that would have been uh, on Jesus as he walked and what's interesting about that is what Mark really does it's subtle but Mark, Mark, what Mark does is he contrasts two things that are happening one with the crowd and one with the woman and they're both in the area of touch see the crowd was touching Jesus in a way, right? The scripture says that it, it, they were thronged about him. What, is, what would that mean? It would be like if uh, we played at the leadership retreat. What was that game where y'all tied yourself up in a knot? What was that game? Human, oh, there it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Human knot. They were thronged about each other. It was really weird looking too, because anyway, we had to just let one team just kind of like, this is getting awkward. Y'all need to just walk away, right? <laughs> They were thronged about him in that way. There was a lot of touch in Jesus, but what Mark does is he says, but there's this different kind of touch. There's this woman with the issue of blood, and this is where she's at. She's in this desperate place, and she reaches out, and she touches the hem of his garment. Why? What does it say in 27? She had heard the reports about Jesus. She had heard the reports about Jesus and touched his garment. For she said, I love this, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Does that sound like a touch of guessing? Is she guessing right there? No. What, if we don't read her statement, we go, man, she's just desperate and she's hoping this works. But then when we read her statement, we go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mark is, is drawing attention to this on purpose. The crowds were thronged about him, bumping into him, running into him. But she reaches out on purpose because she determined this. If I will touch even his garments, I will be made well. Why else would she arrive at that conclusion lest she believed that he was who he said that he was? He was the promise. He was the one that would come, as Malachi chapter 2 says, with healing in his wings. And she saw that those, those wings as he walked. And she reached out and she made an, a by faith reach to grab onto what she knew, not question, but what she knew would heal her. Two different types of touch. Listen, it says, and immediately, come on, that's a really good word. <laughs> and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Look at this, in 30, and Jesus perceiving in himself what left Come on, that's awesome. That power had gone out from him, immediately turned in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples were like, man, do you, I mean. <laughs> everybody's bumping into you, you know. Jesus was talking about a very different kind of touch. His disciples said to him, you see the crowd, or yeah, so his disciples say, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. Let's give the disciples a pass. Everybody say, it's okay. It's early on. Y'all say, it's okay again. We're hard on the disciples and the Pharisees. 
and yet who are we most like? Come on, there we go. Okay, all right, we're just getting deep in here. You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Here's the deal. Simple, simple, simple message for today. There was all sorts of of contact with Jesus happening on that day. Tons of it. His disciples even say, why are you even asking that question? Like the crowds are, are all about you. Everybody has touched you. Everybody has bumped into you, right? But, but Jesus, something very different. When everybody else ran into him, did he notice? No, because what didn't leave? What did he not experience? When everybody else was touching. Right. He notices something when she does because she reaches out in faith. And what does she, what does she receive from him? Power. Come on, listen to this. The whole crowd was touching Jesus, but they were experiencing none of his power. They were just looking. They were just watching. Imagine that. They were that close that they would touch him and not experience his power. Come on, Western church. How near are we? How close are we? How, 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 how cheap do we see this as sometimes? Man, we, we like have the words of the Messiah in our hands. How close are we? How much do you know about him? How educated are you about Jesus? Even the heathen in our, in our land knows who he is. Yet how many of us are experiencing his power. Man, in churches, let's just forget about the outside world. In churches, we're bumping up against Jesus all the time and what we know about him and how we talk about him and our good theology and our right theology. She knew one thing. She knew the promise of the Messiah was that he would come with healing in his wings. She saw him and she grabbed it. That's a really, really, really simple faith. And in that simplicity, she experienced power and healing and change. Some of us in here, we know a lot about Jesus. We're bumping into him all the time, but not bumping into him with a reach of faith. And because we're not bumping into him with a reach of faith, we're experiencing none of his power. We're just getting educated about who he was. Some of y'all, it's your first time. We like to crunch toes a little bit around here. I wouldn't crunch yours if mine weren't being crunched a little bit. As I heard Matt teaching this, and, I, and the Lord just opens up to me, it's like, man, I had to just, I had to stop all week and just go, it's me. I, Jesus, I know a lot about you. I bump into you a lot, but man, I want to reach out and experience your power. I want to I come after you. And the, and the word that the Lord put in my heart is just, is, and it was an invitation. This word invitation is huge for us. I talked about it last week. The Lord just keeps bringing it up in my heart. But the invitation is, man, come and take hold of me. 
That's the invitation of Jesus. Man, just come and lay hold of what I have given you. And I felt the Lord even this week just asking me, Kendall, come and lay hold of everything that I have purchased for you. Lay hold of it. Reach out and grab it. It is yours by grace through faith. Lay hold of it. Don't be passive. Don't just know about me. Come and take hold of everything that I have purchased for you because I love you. And that's the word for us this morning is that the kingdom of God, that Jesus is to be laid hold of. Not for us to just passively and apathetically know about. Knowing about Jesus will get you somewhere, but not the somewhere where you need to go. Taking hold of him will take you where you didn't know you need to go, but will change your life. The kingdom of God is a kingdom that must be laid hold of. I want to just take you a couple of other places. Ooh, I lied to you. I said we were going to only be other be in Mark 1. 1 Timothy. Y'all forgive me. Go to 1 Timothy. Smile a little bit. Hey, new people, we smile even when we talk serious. Y'all can smile. Come on. Some of the old timers are like, yeah, he's this, he does this all the time. And it's, it's so weird. <laughs> 1 Timothy. Hey, I like, I'm hearing a lot of paper this morning. Good work. If you need a Bible, we have got them. So you just let one of us know. Say, hey, I need a Bible. We'll smile and give you one. Smiling is one of our core values, right, Melina? No, it's really not, but we smile. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Listen to what, listen to what Paul Oh, sorry, I just said 1 Timothy. Now you're all flipping your pages again. Oh, my goodness. Chapter 6, verse 11, look. So Paul is a, a mentor, a spiritual guide in Timothy's life. And listen to what he says to him at the end of 1 Timothy. It's some of this closing. Look, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, Flee these things. He's talking about, in the, in the previous chapter, he's talked about um, things of the flesh. He's talked about false teaching. And he says, flee these things. But then he tells him to come after something. Look, what, is the, what does the word pursue mean? I just gave you an answer. To come after. Can you passively pursue anything? It doesn't work. They, don't, they can't live in the same house. Passivity and pursuit can't live in the same house. They're, they're opposite of each other. And he says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. How active is he telling Timothy to be? Come on, listen, come on. Is he telling him, like, man, just hang out in church, do your Bible study, go check stuff off the list, and you're good. Wait around because Jesus is going to come back, and you're going to go to heaven and not hell. Is that what he says to him? What does he say? Man, this is a mentor, and he says, look, if I'm going to tell this young man something, I'm going to say, lock in. Pursue these things. Come after these things. He talks about righteousness. He talks about godliness. He talks about faith, love, and steadfastness. He tells him to fight a good fight. Fighting is not active. Unless you want to get beat up, or it is active, unless you want to get beat up. You can just get wore out if you want to have a non-active fight. Anybody of y'all tried that before? 
No? That's good. <laughs> I would recommend being active if you're going to get in a fight. <laughs> he tells them to fight the good fight of faith. And then listen to this. The next words. Take hold. What did that woman in Mark chapter 5 do? Took hold. She didn't go grab something that she believed she had to earn. She went and grabbed something that had been given to her by promise. Here's the deal. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's saying, take hold of that which you confess. You confessed to be a disciple of Jesus. Take hold of that eternal life, that abundant life that Jesus has given us. And he says, take hold of it. Don't receive it passively. I think a lot of us believe that the gospel is something that we receive passively. It's something that Jesus does and gives to you. Is that right? Yes, that Jesus has done it. The, the, the salvation is not something that you do for yourself. You could not, and that's why Jesus. He sacrificed himself fully and completely so that you might live, so that you might have abundant life. But then he says, take hold of what I've given you. He doesn't say earn what I've given you because it's given to us by grace. But he says, lay hold of this gift. The kingdom of God is to be received actively. Go to Mark chapter 1. We're gonna, I'm going to show you that. Because I'm telling you, this is a problem in church. This is a huge, huge problem. We receive the gospel as if it's this one moment thing. It just as if believing is Jesus is this one moment, one thing in my life, and then I'm just supposed to hang out and behave really well until I die, and good news, I get to go to heaven. What a far cry from what this book tells us. What a cheap imitation of the gospel that Jesus actually preached. Never at any point did Jesus present the gospel and the only context of the gospel was that it'll get you out of hell free. But I'm turning on my, listen, my radio broke. Or not my radio, well, whatever the thing is that plays my phone music. Yeah, what, I don't know what it is. Somebody asked me, we got in, where, where, where are you at, Emily? Oh, Emily's not in here. We got in the van to uh, go on our leadership retreat and Emily Singer sits down next to me. She goes, you oxen? I said, yes, ma'am, I have been working out. Like, huh? <laughs> Say something, right? <laughs> Nobody's ever called me an oxen before, but come on. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> She's kind of, I said, what are you talking about? Oxen. <laughs> it's like this, and, and Emily and I, we know each other a little bit, but, but, not enough, for, I think, for her to understand how deeply confused I was. <laughs> Somebody shouted from the back, ox in, ox in, music. <laughs> I said, oh, ox in, okay. <laughs> My radio broke. <laughs> I turned on the Christian radio station because I thought, you know what, that's what a good pastor would do when my ox in is broken. I just turn on the Christian radio. Right? Listen to me. Listen to me. This is, how broke, this is how broken it is. I'm listening to this song, and I don't know anything about these people. I don't, whatever. But this is the song that's coming over my radio on the Christian radio station. 
smile and dance because grace got you. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. You can look it up. Smile and dance because you just got away with something. Why? Because you just got away. You may have heard that song before. Because you just got away with something. Is that the gospel that we've believed? That that's what grace is? That, oh, that, yes, I got away with it. I got away with sin, and now Jesus isn't going to be punished me for this back here because what he, all he did was forgive me of sin so I can get into heaven. I don't have to experience the punishment of what, of what uh, my sin did. I got away with something, and that's what I'm supposed to be joyful about? Is that the limit to the joy of the Christian life, is that I got away with something? Are we that jacked up in our theology? That that's the way we see what Jesus did? Jesus poured his life out that you may have abundant life. Not heaven someday, abundant life today and eternally. It's such a bigger message than what we've made it. It's not get out of hell free. It's not go to heaven someday. It's abundant life. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now, take hold of it. Step into it. The promise is huge and it's for you because of Jesus. And we've made it this small trinket of a thing that just says, great, you don't have to burn. (laughs) What? It's not in this. That's nowhere in this book. Is hell in this book? Yes. Is heaven in this book? Yes. Is judgment in this book? Yes. Is forgiveness in this book? Yes. But it's a part of this huge, robust picture of what Jesus has purchased for us, of bringing us into relationship with God, filling us with his spirit like we were intended to be filled, allowing us to work in tandem with him to bring his glory and his kingdom all over the earth. That's why you were created. Salvation comes in that context. And it's a gift through grace received by faith so that no one can boast, right? But you lay hold of it. Step into it. Don't just know and have good theology about Jesus. Lay hold of this eternal life that he's given. Look at Mark chapter 1 in verse 14. How are we doing, Melina? We okay? I forget what time I'm supposed to be now. Tell them all so they can check their watches. Okay, good. I'm way good. Y'all got 10 minutes of this left. We changed our schedule. Normally it's 10.30, so now, but, but anyway, now I'm good now. Mark 1. Here we go. Come on. Listen, listen, we got to lock in here. I know, and I'm the most distracting person in the room. But <laughs> Verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, listen to this, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is someday later when you die. Is that what your translation says? I must have the wrong translation. That's not what it says. Let's read it again. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is what? Come on. The kingdom of God is at hand. Then, right, what's what's the next thing? Come on, y'all, English. What's the next thing after at hand? Okay, I meant, the, I meant the punctuation. There it is. Some of y'all are like, quiz, I'm anxious. <laughs> right? Semicolon. Now, why, why, why semicolon? It's a, it's, it's a part of the same thought, right? It, it, so the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, like you can insert right there, therefore, there's action that's necessary based on what has the news that has just been delivered. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe. Why? 
because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It, it would not be, the action would not be repent and believe that the kingdom of heaven was someday. It would be the same thing that John the Baptist was saying, which was prepare yourselves. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, preparation is over. It's here. Y'all with me? This isn't a think about it someday. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I love the way the NRSV says it. It says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Oh, my goodness. Repent and believe in the good news. In the NRSV, obviously, we know what the gospel means, right? The gospel is good news. So it's, it says something like this. It says, uh, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Some of y'all need to hear that the kingdom being near at hand right here in this room is good news. Isn't it interesting that he says proclaiming the good news and his proclamation of the good news was that the kingdom of God was at hand, not that you could get out of hell free. Come on. He didn't, say, he didn't give the good news and then present the Roman road. And I got nothing against the Roman road. Some of y'all got upset. It happened quickly. I just want to catch it. I love the Roman road. Listen, but that's not what he said. He said the good news is what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe. What is he asking you to do? It's, it's, you've got to see it. There is action demanded at the proclamation of the kingdom of God being here. So what in this context, what is the laying hold of the kingdom of God? What is it? What's the action of laying hold of the kingdom of God? Somebody pick up something. Everybody, just find something to pick up, okay? You just laid hold of whatever was in your hand. You're right? There was action. You picked something up. And if you were to describe that action, you would say, I took my left or right hand. Lefties, come on. Where you at? Come on. Just needed to do that. Right? The action, the way you would describe it is, I took my hand. And I grabbed whatever it was. Jesus demands action. But here's what taking hold of the kingdom looks like. Repent and believe. You see it? See, the kingdom is a weird kingdom. Well, it's a right kingdom. It just looks different than this kingdom. The kingdom of God is received and stepped into, not in arrogance and because I deserve it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and I don't go, whoa, finally, <laughs> what I earned, <laughs> right? Laying hold of the kingdom of heaven is in repentance and belief. It's in humility, knowing that I don't deserve it, because what I'm about to step into was given to me, not because I earned it, but because of the great grace of a loving God who has manifested himself to us in these days in the person of Jesus, shown us his love, sacrificed himself, and invited me into what I don't deserve to give me a life that I didn't pay for. Come on. So laying hold of the kingdom, aggressively grabbing abundant life that has been given to us looks like repentance and belief. Now, if, I, if you were to walk in here this morning and I were to say, we're going to talk about repentance and belief this morning, how many of y'all would have gone, doggone it. I hate that conversation. Why do we hate that conversation? Because normally what repentance and belief looks like is look at how terrible you are. You are an awful person. Look back at your life. You're terrible, 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 terrible sin. <laughs> right? <laughs> Repent, heathen, <laughs> and believe. 
Is that what that woman did in Mark 5? Was she desperate? Was she well aware of her brokenness? Come on. She wasn't hiding it. She wasn't denying it. But she wasn't going to receive the power that Jesus had for her by just wallowing in what she knew that she was. Come on. What she knew was her brokenness met the provision of God in Jesus and it prompted her. I mean, and when Jesus was asking the question, what did she, how did she respond? In humility, right? She was not arrogant at all. We're not talking about arrogance that says, I get to, I deserve this, right? That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Repentance and belief is in all humility because we know that we didn't deserve an ounce of it, yet God has given it to us. God has offered this abundant life to us, and it's through this way of repent and believe on Jesus. That's exactly what this woman did. She repented. She knew that I'm broken, and in her brokenness, faith allowed her to reach out and grab what God had given to her in Jesus, which was healing and life. And that's why repentance and belief for us should not be this scary topic. It's like, duh, I know I'm broken. I don't have this illusion that some of y'all walked in here this morning and were like, I got it together. We're all smarter than that. Our issue is that we're pretending about the things that we think will give us life, but most of the time we're not unaware of our brokenness. We're just trying to find fulfillment in the wrong thing. And Jesus is inviting us into this abundant life that he's offered. The kingdom of heaven is here. Repent and believe. Come into it. You ought to have a smile on your face. You ever seen a kid lost in a grocery store? Ever? I mean, y'all are like, that was me. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Man, you, you see it a few times, and it's terrifying. It, 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 is, it is for real. To see a kid lost is a scary thing. Like even just, And maybe just because I'm a parent, like that's a new level of gut ache, but it's a scary thing because that you can see it on their face. Something is deeply, deeply wrong. I am detached from where I'm supposed to be. They are well aware of their lostness, aren't they? And it's frantic. You ever seen that kid find mom? It's like, sometimes it's just <laughs> like tears. A lot of times there's a sprint involved, like a form tackle of mom's legs, right? Right? There is great joy in being found. Huge joy in being found. And I think some of us, because we've missed that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that it's a beautiful, wonderful invitation of God through Jesus to come in through repentance and belief, because we've twisted and neglected that part of the story, we've missed the joy in laying hold of what he's given us. We've missed the joy in being found. You know how good it is to be loved that much? That God would come after us? Listen to me, come after us in our sin? That kid winds up lost and all they know is that they're lost. That's it. They don't necessarily know how they got there. They just know, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And what's mom doing the whole time? Where are they coming after the child? Samuel, you need to see this. 
This is the God that we serve. We got, we got this way. We can read the text and know how we got here. We got here in sin. We got here as we exalted ourselves above God and began to choose our own way and said, God, I'm, I'm going to detach myself from what you have for me and I'm going to serve myself. That's how we got here. But we know that we're lost and we know that it's a broken place. And the good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why is it good news? Because you didn't bring the kingdom of heaven here. Jesus did. He sought us out, delivered to us the kingdom of heaven and said, come in, Repent and believe, come in. And it ought to be great joy for us to hear that message and repent and believe and come in. There may be tears, it's okay. But repentance and belief for us has got to stop being this like, yes, I know how terrible I am, but God is good. How many times do you see that from the kid in the grocery store? Oh yes, mother, I knew you were there the whole time. I appreciate it. Now I'm going to come to you. <laughs> right? Yeah, never seen that happen. Right? Y'all tracking with me? It's okay to know that you're not okay. It's okay to know that you're lost. I have good news for you. The kingdom of heaven is here. Repent and believe. Lay hold. Come on, lay hold of what you've been given. Your rescue is in the room. His name is Jesus. And it is an open invitation. Now he tells you the way. The way is repent and believe. Don't live for yourself anymore. Believe on me. Believe that I have delivered to you what I said I would, abundant life. And step in. Lay hold of it. Fight the good fight of faith. Be active in this thing. But the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, we had somebody that found that out this week. (laughs) Come on. They give their lives to Jesus. If you're in the room, and that's where you need to be today. It doesn't have to be fancy. I'm not going to have you come down here. We're not going to like make, but it's simple. Jesus says, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Just repent and believe. He is good. Repent of your sin, not the bad things you did. Repent of sin. Repent of living for yourself. Give your life to him. Surrender is entrance into the kingdom. There is abundant life for you. John, Chin, John 10, 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come, this is Jesus' words, I have come, not to get you to heaven when, I, when you die, I have come that you would have life. And life, what is the word? Abundantly. Step into that, repent and believe. I'm gonna pray for you. God, thanks for the time we've spent today and we just pray. We just ask, first God, we just, the only thing that we, we could possibly say in this moment is, is thank you for what we could have never done on our own nor seen our way out of this. God, you have come to us and made an announcement. Our healing is here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand and you've created an invitation. And the only exclusivity in that invitation, you've said anyone can come in who wants to come in. The entrance is repent and believe. But the invitation is to every one of us in this room. It matters not where we have been, what we've said, what we've done. The invitation today is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe. Come in and know the love of God, your maker. Come in and know the abundant life which he has purchased for you by his grace. And God, we just pray that across the room by your spirit, you would minister to each of us how we need, that we would hear you and what we need to hear you in. 
and that we would be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.